What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. Today, we have a very special guest. He is, in fact, objectively the most interesting man in the world. He is a third-degree black belt in like a gazillion different martial art forms. He's a break dancer. He's an award-winning chef. He loves F-words, and he's a Catholic priest. Father Leo Padalinghug coming up right after this. We've got a great show coming up for you here today, but before we get into it, I want to tell you that if you enjoy Catholic content like this or any of the other shows here at Awaken Catholic, you could become a part of the reason all of it is possible by joining the Awaken Nation. Visit awakencatholic.org slash donate to make a small contribution or, you know, a big one if, if you can, you know, but or, or not. Uh, the price of a cup of coffee per week would be a huge help to our ministry here at Awaken Catholic. The work that we're doing is only made possible by people like you. Additionally, there is a great way to consume Awakened Catholic content uh, and to interact directly with the show hosts like myself and the many other far smarter people that host shows here on Awakened Catholic. It's the Awakened Catholic app, and you can get it not on the App Store, not on the Google Play Store. We're cooler than that. You have to go to theawakenapp.io to get this on your phone uh, or iPad or... I don't know, Windows tablets still a thing. Anyways, here we are. Uh, and finally, if you are like, gosh, I know I'm super holy, but I just want to take it a step further. I want to. I want some help praying and meditating, reflecting. Uh, check out the Hallow app. If you get the Hallow app by going to hallow.app/awaken and you use uh, the free month of premium subscription that is available at that link. It gives us a little bit of a kickback at Awakened Catholic, and your prayer life will never be the same. Check out the Hallow app at hallow.app slash awaken. Get that free month of premium subscription, and uh, you're welcome ahead of time. All right, let's go now to our guest, Father Leo Padalinghug. Um, I think I, I pretty much laid the groundwork to understand uh, just, you know, even just at a uh, a high level, you know, the bird's the bird's eye view of, of the man, the myth, the legend. Father Leo Padalinghug, how are you doing today? Great. You need to meet more people. If you think <laughs> I'm objectively the most interesting person, you need to definitely meet. Weird might be a better description than interesting, <laughs> but it's great to be with you. I'm fully awakened, and thank God I'm not woke. Let's just put it that way. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Father Leo, I uh, years ago, uh, I used to be a youth minister, took a group of kids to a Steubenville once, and there was this there was this Filipino priest came up onto the stage and uh, did a little break dancing. I think that was <laughs> you. Made, and made Twitter go completely <laughs> nuts. <laughs> I think, the, I mean, I don't know, Twitter at the time I wasn't tweeting very proactively, but I know that the audience that day... The thousands of teens sitting in the audience were like, what is this? How, so yeah, they I, were like, what the faith just happened? <laughs> yes, I did make an allusion to your um, your affinity for F-words. I, I really want to get into that. But um, yeah. the breakdancing, though, like so you you mentioned on a show that I was watching that you that you were on um, 
you mentioned that you grew up in the 80s, and uh, I love the 80s, both like musically, just the vibe. Um, my wife and I recently got super into the Karate Kid movies again. Like I grew up loving the Karate Kid movies. Um, you know, you're also a third degree black belt in, you know, whatever number of, I know Taekwondo was one of them that you mentioned. And uh, what else was there? So our niece, which goes by a couple different words, Escrima or Kali, which is basically the Filipino martial arts. And that's full contact stick, knife fighting, street defense. Wow. Basically, I just kick you in the shins and I bite your Achilles heel off. (laughs) (laughs) You have my team cracking up over here. Uh, I, I just the visual. Of imagining you doing that, it's kind of. I'm short. I'm short. Right? <laughs> you got to so, work with so what you got. So it actually is. It's it's ground fighting. So so if you're working with a weapon, we believe it's only because you've mastered using your hands. So the only way you can actually do this particular martial art is if you've actually demonstrated your capacity to control your hands. But then when you actually put a weapon involved, it just increases your capacity. And so actually, this is the stuff that made Bruce Lee kind of famous in the game of death. Interesting. Very interesting. So you are a formidable force. And I think, you know, you could even use some of that breakdancing and kind of uh, segue into some of that Brazilian, uh, what's that dance fighting that they do? Oh, capoeira. Yeah, capoeira. Yeah. So I, I, I mean... That's 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 pretty gnarly, man. Was Karate Kid uh, an influence at all for you? Yes, but just real quick, when you said Brazilian, I thought a steakhouse, just so you know how my mind works. Okay, so I was thinking churrascaria, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, the Karate Kid certainly was a big deal for me because Ralph Macchio was a nerd. He is a geek. He's mm-hmm. not good at martial arts, and yet he he gets the girl. I mean, right. so there's hope. There's hope for the world, you know. <laughs> hope for humanity in 2020. Yeah. Watch the Karate Kid. Oh man, that that is awesome. Yeah, I, every time I've watched those, like when I was a kid, I actually took karate for a while. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I almost feel like took karate is like it doesn't. It like karate is a lifestyle, right? And you you learn that when you're when you're watching the Karate Kid. Like if if it's just like a lesson you learn and you apply it, you know, I don't know. Like it's really more of a mindset and a way of seeing the world. I think of, through discipline and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't like saying I took karate, um, but I did just take karate because it didn't sustain. Um, so, but I, I've always loved the Karate Kid. I've loved. Uh, martial arts. Uh, my wife uh, and I have recently started doing Tai Chi. She's a lot more uh, active in it than I am. But there's really something that uh, speaks to really the theology of the body and like uh, intrinsic um, integrated living where we're connecting with our body and, and using it and, and acknowledging that it's a part of me. And when we're using it that way and developing discipline and stuff, like there's something really beautiful about that, even from a Catholic standpoint. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So a couple observations. Number one, uh, took karate is exactly what many people say because they kind of don't know what they're talking about. So if you really are a practitioner, you'd be studying martial arts, which would be a different way of approaching it. Secondly, your producers told me to kind of stay away from Catholic content. And you dropped the theology of the body in the first 10 minutes? I mean, seriously? Like, how did how did that happen? I Sorry, mean, like, I'm... I'm talking about the F words, and you're talking about theology of the body and the integration of 
soul, mind, body to be able to express yourself. What? How did I know. That happen? I dropped it. I dropped the ball. I'm a disobedient <laughs> guy. Um, no, Listen, I, no, you can't avoid it. It's true. God is part of every part of this reality, including you be able to defend yourself, but also this whole idea of discipline, because every martial artist knows their body more than most people, because we know what we can do mm. and we know what we can't do. So if you were to ever pick a fight with me, I will need to end it in three minutes because if it went a minute longer, I would need to resuscitate myself because I would just be so winded because I know my body well enough. I know what I can do and I know what I can't and therefore should not do. If we would only apply that to life oh man, in general, we'd be much better off and less stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And that awareness of what is possible like we we live our lives unaware of what we're capable of. We assume that we're this small, right? Like anybody. One of the things I love about you, you know, you pointed out that Ralph Macchio's character Danielson was um, he was a, a wimp and he, and he was he was a geek and he was scrawny. You know the the antagonists in the film, uh, Johnny Lawrence and his his crew. They were buff guys. They were strong athlete, athletes, popular kids in school, and Daniel Larusso scrawny guy like you he didn't know what he was capable of but even it doesn't take all the muscle like martial arts you learn to leverage what you are and and i think that as people like we assume you know you look at moses who we we think you know that's indication that he had a speech impediment and he's the guy that god tells to set his people free in front of Pharaoh and, you know, lead his people um, with a speech impediment. And like you would assume, oh, I can't do that thing because of this limitation or whatever. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. what you're pointing out about learning about your body and what that teaches you about yourself, like that is so big. Um, huge. Yeah, I, mean, I love so that. Our, our, the, preface of, the preface for the prayer that we say right before holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, mm-hmm. that part, it's called the preface. And there's something very unique about the preface prayer for saints. It says, God chooses the weak Mm. and makes them strong. So if you're coming to church, it's not because you're strong. It's because you're weak. Mm. That's why you go. You don't go because you're holy. You go because you're unholy and want to become stronger. And if you think you're a saint, you're not. Think of yourself as a sinner. That's the better place to start if you want to become a saint. Just saying. Oh, the mic. Preach. Show is ended. Preach. We can go home. I mean, <laughs> we, we run this out of my home, so I'm not going to go anywhere. But <laughs> anyways, no, I that is that's huge. The the humility of, you know, one of our shows uh, talks a lot about uh, the cardinal virtues. And if you don't know what the cardinal virtues are, if you're watching or listening, um, check out the show Elevate Ordinary. Really profound stuff. Every time I watch it. I find myself being drawn to change, uh, drawn, drawn to integrate like the things that they talk about in it. Um, but man, that <laughs> the idea of humility, uh, being not, not that you are, uh, manufacturing like an artificial smallness about yourself, but more humility is an observation of truth. Uh, yeah. and in truth, Anything is possible with God. In truth, we are capable of a lot more than what we realize. And you know who doesn't want us to understand what we're capable of? The freaking enemy, the devil. 
Yeah, she's a witch, isn't she? <laughs> I, lo I love to use inclusive language. Why not? When I talk it's about 2020. The devil, right? I love to use it. Uh, what you say is so important for people because they have a bad understanding of what it means to be humble. And if there's anything that has been humbling for me is actually studying the martial arts. You automatically think that if you're studying martial arts, you're a bad asparagus, you know, but you're not. You're, you're actually supposed to be more humble in that. And so I remember when I was teaching karate, when I was teaching martial arts, I we were near the Naval Academy. And so we had some Naval Academy cadets come. They wanted to learn this particular art. They saw my brother and myself. He's even more slight than I am, but fast, like a lightning rod. And uh, they were like, so you guys are going to teach us? And was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yes, us, hello, hello. You know? <laughs> so they had no idea what it was about. And so they were like, well, let's do a little trial class and they had studied martial arts and we got into the ring and we basically hurt them a oh my lot gosh. because we just needed to let them know that if you want to learn from us you can't be in here thinking that you're going to teach us something yeah you got to respect us this school you know yeah. we didn't start the school so so that you can just kind of boss us around and think you're going to beat up these two little little filipino boys no because <laughs> we, we hurt them to humble them and mm -hmm. then they literally became some of our, our, our greatest students and advocates because they just needed to get knocked off their high horse, mm -hmm. very analogous to St. Paul, really. Yes. And so many of us, probably all of us, you know, even to this day, I'm just constantly I try to maintain a keen awareness of like. Nick, check yourself. You know, like you, you, you ain't all that. Like, well, let me it. ask you, Nick. This is the, I'm just turning the table on you because this is what I do, and you can't okay. lie to a priest, all right? <laughs> <laughs> like, when you think of Nick Della Torre, I mean, what are you proud of? Like, what part of you is just like? I'm really glad I'm me. I mean, is it your hair? Is it the, the, the ability to create a five o'clock shadow? Is it your voice? Is it your body? physicality what is it about you that you are proud of and then i'm going to just this is for your audience mm -hmm. so so tell me what you are proud of and i'm going to help you with something i don't know if you can tell the, the glare yeah the glare <laughs> on my face is increasing as <laughs> father leo makes me sweat over here um <clears throat> be honest yeah just be very honest like he's don't look to your wife or to your producer for help. No, you look at me, young man. You tell me what you're proud of, and you can say it, and you you can say whatever you want. There will be no judgment, and I I, I want to be able to help your audience with something. Go ahead. Say I it. am proud of. I I would say that I am proud of my voice, and I don't think that in a negative sense, like a, a prideful you know sense of advice, but more like. Um, I, I, it's a, I, it's a good voice. I acknowledge, it's, well, and I'm thinking more specifically about musically as a singer. Um, I, I think that what is unique in the world, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> they just brought me a napkin. If you're listening and not watching, you're missing out. Um, I think that so, what makes something beautiful is, you know, it's, it's, there, there is objective beauty, but I also think a lot of what makes objective beauty beautiful is the the unpredictable parts of it or the things that are unique within it. You know, so like a beautiful sunset. Why is a beautiful sunset beautiful? It's beautiful because there's 
unique uh, manifestation of an arrangement of colors and stuff. And it's something that is otherworldly. It's something that is not part of your day to day. And so, you know, what I appreciate about my singing voice is I, there's, I don't sound like other people. And I think that it's, there's a tonal quality to it. I'm giving you like a super honest answer here. There's a tonal quality to it that I find um, that I have received compliments about as being like soothing and um, unique in its quality. So like that is an answer. Okay. So good. I'm so glad you could at least say what's obvious because if you did not say what was obvious, then either one, you're stupid or two, you're lying. But because you were able to say something honest, you do have i remember meeting you on a zoom chat with uh a big, with a with a tour agency for something and immediately i was struck by your voice it is very soothing it is very manly it's a it's a deep voice but here's why i say you need to take that to god now it's i need some powder voice. for the blush that's happening <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm a priest, all right? And you're definitely too hairy to be my type. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, but but here's, the, here's the thing. If you take that voice and make it about you, then it could literally become as annoying as a clanging gong. Mm. If you, however, use your voice to speak eternal truths and goodness and love, then your voice becomes beautiful. If your voice is only to be like, hello, hey, how are you doing, honey? You? Then you just become a jerk and mm. no one wants to even hear your voice anymore. You know, and, and you can just tell because there's some politicians who have <laughs> good quality voices and they used it to promote lies. And I yeah. can't even listen to them screeching, chalkboardy kind of thing. And that's what humility demands. And it requires you, therefore, and we're going to go back to the martial artist, to understand who your master is and who is your master trying to make you become. Is it going to be more like the master or more like the person you were called to be? If you notice, Daniel's son wanted to become so much like Mr. Miyagi, but Mr. Miyagi just wanted Daniel's son to be Daniel's son. Yeah. That is beautiful. You're welcome. Show is over. <laughs> Thank you so much, Father. I, I appreciate the the call to to humility in truth, right? Um, and uh, hope hopefully that was efficacious for our listeners or viewers. Um, <clears throat> I want to. Well, it was just funny as heck to watch you blush and, <laughs> watching and me squirm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, so so you were learning martial arts and when did you first you know what before we get into the cooking because i think that's a whole ball of wax before we get into that uh we need to address the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is uh our catholic weird stuff segment let's hit it let's hit the catholic weird stuff this this is now the elephant in the room (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we segue into the topic of food with the food priest himself, Father Leo Paddling Hug, we're going to talk about food. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the Eucharist. Um, what is the Eucharist? Okay, so like, you know, from the outside looking in or even from the inside looking in, which, you know, we learned uh, fairly recently, a bunch of people sitting in the pews and walking up in the communion line are receiving the Blessed Sacrament, receiving the Lord, and they don't actually think it's the Lord. They think it's like a symbol or something. And that is devastating because it is. And, you know, it's like Jesus when he was walking around in, you know, as a human, uh, in human flesh. Um, and, uh, 2000 years ago, you know, just imagine him being like, listen, I am God and I love you. It'd be like someone being like, yeah, but you're just a dude. And that actually happened in the gospels. And he was like, no, but I'm not just a dude. Um, so, I want to challenge you today to consider the possibility that what Catholics teach about the Eucharist, what they say, what their claim is, is in fact Jesus Christ himself in the flesh. Wild proposition, but I'm just going to do a quick little thing here, and then I would love to hear from Father Leo Padalinghug um, as the food expert and a Catholic priest, doubly uh Doubly, double, double the reason to listen to what he has to say about the Eucharist. Um, here we go. So Jesus, um, you know, he did some pretty radical stuff. I mean, he said some radical stuff. He did some radical stuff. One of those radical stuffs that he did was that he multiplied loaves and fish. Um, you remember that story that when he did that that one time? All right, the joke's on you. It happened twice. Um, and, you know, he does this thing twice at least that we have depicted in the scriptures. And what's interesting about it is that, and I'm not going to read it all because this is the Catholic Weird Stuff segment. We're trying to get in and out of this segment as quickly as possible. He does this thing twice, and both times that he performs this miracle, he follows a formula. He follows a ritual. And, you know, anytime someone's like, what's with all the rituals in the Catholic Church? Jesus isn't into rituals. I'm just like, yeah, but actually, have you read the Bible? Because Jesus is super into rituals. So let's look at, you know, I'm not going to read it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the paraphrased Nick Delatore, the Catholic, the Awakened Catholic Show version of the story. So, you know, a bunch of people are hungry, thousands of people. He's like, okay, hand me whatever you got. Everyone sits down. He picks up the bread. He lifts it to heaven, gives thanks for it, breaks it. He gives it to his disciples to give to the people. Okay, so a couple things to note there. First, what he did specifically, where he lifts it, gives thanks for it, breaks it, gives it to his disciples. Now note, he didn't actually give any to the people in the audience, the crowd. He gave it to his disciples, the 12 people that were following him who would later become the first priests and bishops, right? The second time he does this, here's the crazy part, he literally follows the same formula. He picks up the bread, lifts it to heaven, gives thanks, breaks it, gives it to his disciples. In the scriptures, it's very interestingly careful to say that he gives it to his disciples. Jesus himself wasn't standing there passing out the bread to the audience. Why does he give it to the disciples and doesn't pass any out? It's not because he's lazy. He's not that kind of leader. It's uh, to illustrate for us, because he is the master teacher, um, to illustrate for us something super profound that that his disciples didn't even understand was happening at the time. All right, so following, you know, he does the same exact formula. A crazy miracle happens both times. Thousands of people eat from just a handful of loaves and fish. It doesn't make sense. 
physically it's impossible for that to happen and it wasn't just some hippy dippy like hey let's let's finally decide to share because he performed a miracle of making us want to share it's not a dr seuss book ladies and gentlemen this is this is a supernatural miracle that's happening here um all right so the disciples still are not like they don't know what this is about they just know this guy i'm following around he's doing some crazy stuff and we're here for it then you get to the last supper and what does he do First of all, it's the Passover meal. Normally there'd be lamb on the table. There's no lamb. There's a reason for that. He takes the bread and he says, this is my body. He gives thanks for it, breaks it, gives it to his disciples. And he tells them to give that bread that is no longer his bread, his body, give this body do this in memory of me. Give this to the people. He takes the, the wine, and he does the same thing. He lifts it to heaven, gives thanks, gives it to the disciples, and he essentially says, give this to the people, when he says, do this in remembrance of me. So he's showing them the exact same ritual, the exact same formula that had this absolutely insane miracle happen with the multiplication that defied the laws of physics, that defied logic, defied what you thought you knew about the universe or what was possible, that same ritual now has an invisible miracle happen, but a miracle nonetheless. And the other thing that preceded, that kind of went smack dab in the middle between the multiplication of the loaves and fish and then the Last Supper where he, where he showed them how to consecrate the Eucharist and he instructed them to do that for us, well, went kind of in the middle was the bread of life discourse. When Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And big crowd of people that he had just fed, supernaturally multiplied loaves and fish and fed thousands of people. They were like, you can't do that. Give us a sign. Show us what you're talking about. And if I were Jesus, I would be so pissed. Like, at that point, what do you mean give, give you a sign? I just performed a miracle twice that defies the laws of physics. What is this give me a sign business? <sighs> I'm getting riled up for him. I don't know what this is. Um, so, finally, Jesus reemphasizes and reemphasizes, and eventually he just lets them walk away. That's like everyone in the pews that doesn't believe it's the Eucharist. Jesus would just let you walk away instead of letting you think that it is a symbol. He didn't say, wait, wait, come back. It, it was just a symbol. I know that the way I speak sometimes is unnecessarily confusing, and I'm sorry for that. No, 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 no. It was the truth, and he stuck to it. And then he turns to his disciples, who were like the only people remaining. He's like, you guys going to go too? Keep in mind, they didn't understand what, what this meant. And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of everlasting life. And then it was later after that, that they then see the fulfillment of this whole teaching that he was giving them with the multiplications, because he shows them the ritual at the Last Supper. He says, this is my body. So yeah, yeah, we, we really believe it is Jesus. Um, and if there's any chance that the Catholic Church is right, uh, it's kind of a big deal that the God of the universe humbles himself down into the form, the, the accidents, the, what seems, tastes, smells, feels like a piece of bread, 
kind of a big deal that God comes to us that way in all humility because he loves us. Father Leo Paddling Hug, the expert, all matters food and priestliness. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, my first thought is, what's so weird about that? I mean, like this segment's supposed to be like weird, right? No, there's nothing weird about what Jesus did because everything he did was exactly what Jewish people even to this day do. Bread is key, not only to their faith, but to their culture. And so him breaking bread is, is what Jews do as part of their Shabbat ceremony and also as part of celebrating their faith with each other. Uh, what's weird is that we don't do that now. We're, we're <laughs> so if there's any weirdness is that we're not actually becoming, ready for this word, companions. And the word kumpanis means with bread. We're not actually breaking bread with people. You just Hello? blew my mind. Exactly. So what's weird isn't what Jesus did. It's what we're not doing. We're not actually becoming bread for other people. And the reason why we're not bread for other people is because we are not experiencing what it takes to make bread. And so let's refer to <clears throat> something that might sound weird is St. Ignatius of Antioch, right before he was ready to be thrown into a pit with lions to eat him up, he actually told his disciples, don't stop me. I have prayed to become like wheat ground in the teeth of my enemies. Wow. He wanted to become food for other people. And the reason why this is weird is because it requires us to become like wheat, literally crushed. And that word crush is coming from the Latin verb contere or Latin words contere, which means with the earth. And that's where we get the word contrite. Contere is where we get the word contrite. I love that. We are not contrite people. We're not sorry for anything anymore. And therefore, we're bad in people's mouths to taste because we're just not humble. So the more palatable you are to other people is because you are more contrite. You are more humble. You want to be food for them. Rather, we, we want to just feed them with ourselves. And I'm sorry, we're not all that awesome. <laughs> but if we become more like who we ate, more like Jesus, then you're going to be palatable and people will want to have you in themselves and in their own life we literally become food for them let's take another example saint Teresa of calcutta she didn't give the eucharist to everybody because mm. they're, they're hindu they're not allowed to receive that but because she became what she ate she did give the presence of christ to other people wow like with just a bowl of garam masala or you know just a bowl of curry and chicken and rice, which is delicious, <laughs> by the way. But if a saint gives it to you, it literally becomes a sacramental. That's amazing. So there's nothing weird about what Jesus did. What's weird is what we're not doing because we're not becoming what we eat because we're only receiving the Eucharist on our tongue and not on our souls. There's that is so profound. That is so profound. And I think about... That idea, um, it's really, I mean, I've never thought about it in, in the terms that you're proposing here. And it's so beautiful. Like, it, you know, the way that the Lord is um, planting seeds in us that will grow and blossom in 
the love that we share with others, right? So in a sense that the people, even who are not Catholic, are encounter, having an encounter and a fruit of the Eucharist through the love and the grace that we have received and is pouring out of us. That is like, man, I just need to like go sit somewhere and like process that because that's it's beautiful, it's convicting. It's like, I, I, I love that. Thank you. It should make you want to just hug your kids. It really, sh- it, it really should. It makes me want to go have make- the Eucharist, go to Mass, and then hug my kids so that the okay. Eucharist is hugging them. <laughs> yeah, kind of pretty much. And I think what's – what I think people find weird about Catholicism is really a demonstration of what's weird about them. Hmm. You know, I mean they, they love to be able to say, oh, you guys just are just a bunch of cookie worshipers. I remember – at one point, and I, I'm old enough to know that there was even a battle in the church from Catholic ministers about adoration. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, there were some parts of our Catholic church that called it cookie worship. They literally were that insulting and degradatory to the Eucharist because they thought that oh, you, instead, why don't you simply feed the poor? You know what? An atheist can feed the poor. What's the difference between me and an atheist feeding the poor? And the difference is in the atheist they're just feeling sorry for people for a catholic it's because i see christ in that person Mm. and i see christ in me why because i can see christ in the eucharist and if that eucharist is in me then guess what i start seeing christ in myself and i start to look at other people with christ's eyes so Mm -hmm. please don't call it cookie worship it's called adoration of the presence of Christ in the blessed sacrament. Shut the faith up and pray. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's that's so beautiful. Thank you for that reflection on that. Um, man, that's your Catholic Weird Stuff segment for the day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, going back to food. Okay, so... Uh, before. Okay, just admit it. You want me to come over to your house and cook? Everybody does I that. Mean, it's just so awkward. We're just not that far it. away, you know. Um, no, I, I'm so I'm curious. Like, as you have, you know, you spent the time training for your martial arts to become a third degree black belt and to be trained in multiple forms of martial arts, um, and like you become a priest, which is no small thing. Like, at what point in your life did you have time to cook yourself a meal, let alone learn how to be an award-winning chef? Like, that's where, to me, the most interesting man in the world thing comes in. Because, like, when I attribute that to somebody, I'm imagining someone that has an unreasonable amount of expertise in an er- in multiple areas that doesn't... It's a supernatural thing, right? It's like feeding the thousands of people with a small handful of loaves. Like, where where do you find the time to be as freaking awesome as you are? Um, that's what it comes I'm down to. <laughs> that's, that's, like, like, you, wait, wait, isn't this the weird segment? <laughs> <laughs> so, so don't forget breakdancer. So oh, you know, yeah. breakdancer, martial artist, the next logical step is priesthood. The <laughs> yep. next logical step is cooking show uh-huh. every Sunday at 4.30 Eastern. Check your local listing. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing normal about anything in my life. And that's where, again, we refer to this preface of the saints, God chooses the weak and the weird Mm -hmm. and makes them strong and bearing witness 
to Jesus and his eternal truths. I, I, so, so to answer your question, I've always had a love for cooking. So, I mean, we're get, we'll get boring for a second. I've always had a love for cooking. My mom was a home economics teacher. We always had parties. I called my house Hotel Paddling Hug. People were always there. The only reason why I had friends was because my mother cooked so well. And because I am her favorite child, I learned a lot of the cooking techniques and recipes. And then when I went to Italy, which I didn't even want to go to because I didn't necessarily like Italian food. I like pizza. Who doesn't like cheesy, wet, you know, mm -hmm. moist, delicious pizza? But I couldn't eat that all day. And the reality was I wasn't actually eating Italian food in America. I fell in love with the cuisine in Italy. I started just taking classes on days off and on holidays and went and explored a lot of restaurants and just went to the markets. So I became, before it was a thing, I was a foodie. And mm. so I just was a foodie in the 90s. And, uh, and so I learned something about Italian cuisine and more importantly about culture of food, which we don't necessarily have in America. We're starting to get it back, but we're starting to do it with a real snobbishness that really annoys me. Mm. See, for Italians, food is sacred. That's just who they are as Catholics. They can they can be secular, but deep down inside, they're Catholic. And so they approached food differently. For them, it's like a contact sport. And so I learned how to appreciate food the way they did. And that kind of is what shaped what I do with my food. And that's what I did when I beat Bobby Flay season seven, episode one. No big deal. Down on the Food Network. Check it out at <laughs> platinggrace.com slash watch. But the reality <laughs> is that... Food became, for me, a sacramental and a continuation of what I was doing at the altar as mm. a priest with bread and wine. Wow. Yeah. So there was a point, like, so a lot of the way that uh, your messaging in, in the content of yours that I've consumed, you talk a lot about the need for us to come together around a table and that we aren't doing that enough. And Lord knows now in 2020, that's probably way harder than it's ever been. But um at what point I'm imagining like your upbringing and your, you know, hotel paddling hung and stuff like a lot of that probably set the stage for you to have a more of a heightened awareness to the value of hospitality and the value of of communing that way, breaking bread that way. Um, at what point during I'm imagining it was during your priestly formation that it clicked for you like, well, this is a thing that is going to be my thing because I'm not seeing it talked about elsewhere the same way. OK, so a lot of lot in there. Um, sure. I, when I grew up, when I grew up, uh, my mother was Mrs. Philippines of the nation's capital. I, that's so weird, right? And so, so for that, she had a, a real prominent place. In, Wait, like she was uh, a model? No, she was Mrs. Philippines. She is beautiful, uh, but she wasn't a model. She was Mrs. Philippines. She literally won a crown and a title. That is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. So weird, right? But because of that, she kind of had a role as an ambassadress of goodwill. And because of that, she also had a courtier who would take care of her and, you know, the family for any public functions. And they were two gay guys. They okay. were tray gay guys. And they <laughs> were super gay. They wrote the book and on I, it? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? They lived with my family for, for like months at a time during my mom's touring and such. And they ate with us mm -hmm. and they went to mass with us. Oh, wow. They prayed with us, you know? And, and so let me just put that in the back of your mind, okay? Because my mom and dad, they fed everyone, no matter who they were, what they were, 
how they identified, my parents just fed them. Mm. Let's fast forward now to a retreat that I had when I was in the seminary. We had the psychologist who was giving us a retreat, and we ate in silence. And during the silence, she gave us a meditation to meditate on the food we were eating. And most of my friends were like, oh, this is so stupid. And like because of me and my food background, I'm like, okay, well, let me give this a try. She made us look at the food and think of the colors, really meditate. Actually, um, Actually, uh, Dr. Bataro talks about this in his book, Mindful Catholics, and he basically she led us in a meditation of what we were eating, the smells and the evoca evocations of memories, you know, the taste and discerning it, what sommeliers do, and then to consider it going into our system and what does it do. And she even asked the question, consider how many people touched the food that you mm. now have in your hand. And it literally led me to this mind blow of – communion with other people and then thinking who did jesus eat with he ate with sinners and i thought to myself my gosh my parents are some of the holiest people i know and they invited sinners to the table and so for me food became more about the weapon that god uses to unite us because the devil wants to use food as a weapon to divide us wow. and so for me there were very serious moments. I'd never thought that I was going to have a cooking show on TV every Sunday at 4.30 Eastern. Okay, never, <laughs> never thought that in a million years. But for my holy card at my ordination, June 5th, 1999, so please pray for me, my holy card was simply the quote from John's Gospel 21, Jesus asking, do you love me? And we know what that's from. Hmm. He was asking Peter three mm -hmm. times, and every time he said yes— Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I had no idea that that was going to lead to this thing called plating grace. Wow. Right? Wow. That is right? amazing. The way that, weird. The way that, that God works. That should have been the weird Catholic thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Before we dive into uh, plating grace, um, I want to ask you, we're gonna, I'm going to take you into the charisma speed round, Okay. Who to you is Jesus? You got an elevator pitch. You're stuck on an elevator with someone. You can determine how many floors and how fast the elevator goes. But who is Jesus to you? Food and king of my soul. Ah, Father. That's great. That's that beautiful. That was easy. Yeah. Next. <laughs> All right. What's the elevator pitch for having a life with Jesus or following him? A life with Jesus now means a life with Jesus forever in heaven. Where do you want to go? Dying. Okay. Nailed that. <laughs> Are these actual elevator pitches for you? Like, do you actually do this? <laughs> that... I mean, have you ever been in an elevator with me? I guess how not. You... <laughs> then how can you dispute? You're, you you're... are just such a judgmental person. No. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> you right. might have a nice voice. I'm kidding. There... I'm kidding. We'll go back to that. Let's make you blush. Elevator speech number three. What is your elevator pitch for a life specifically as a Catholic journeying with Jesus? We've created the most beautiful, powerful, influential things in the world. Why would you want to be a part of it? You. You're good. It's true. Listen, I lead pilgrimages, and I hope you're going to be doing it too with your people. The fact is, whenever you go to any of these incredible destinations, where do they go? Catholic places. Yeah. How are we not proud of this? Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, what else are you going to see? Like, you, you look at a monastery— in the middle of this mountain. That's where people go. 
because it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And you go to these mega churches. That's where people are paying tickets to go. I mean, you go to the opera. Hello, that's our stuff you're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we have created the most beautiful and long-lasting institutions of goodness in the world. What are the alternatives? Amen. I've, I've, I've never seen an atheist create anything good. <laughs> like, literally, I'm, find me something that an atheist has done that was amazing that makes me just want to say, I want to be a part of that. No, all they do is rant and just talk about how awesome they are and how stupid Catholics and Christians are. Find me that. Find me another religion that has done amazing things like created nations of peace and justice that are clean. Find me that. Mm-hmm. You won't. You won't find it because there's something in the culture of the Catholic ethos that always promotes the good, the beautiful, and the true. What's the alternative? To, to what whom floor else shall are we, we go? on in this elevator? Yeah. We can keep going. <laughs> Just keep I was about to say that's a that's a long elevator ride, but that's a hell of a ride. That's, that's <laughs> at least it's going up. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. That was beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, all right, so you you've kind of taken the I mean the story about how you came to you know the the, the, the prayer card and and all this stuff like the the feet you know do you love me feed my sheep like that is so profound. And so now you've, you've started a couple of organizations. Uh, one of them is a, uh, a ministry for, is it ex cons? Um, and, and then the one that you, so you're on, you're the founder and you're on the board for that. But the, the one that's more like your bread and butter is the plating grace, right? Yeah. So plating grace is the umbrella and it basically kind of houses all of the different things that I do from my speaking to the books, to the TV show, to the podcast and radio stuff. And then we have the nonprofit, which is the Table Foundation. And the Table Foundation serves two groups of people. We mentor and support hospitality industry professionals and returning citizens, also known as ex-cons. I think now the term is formerly incarcerated persons. Oh, it's just so annoying just how much we just changed what it is, you know. But but so those two groups of people are because they're very connected. Like, you know, we have the white mass for yeah. doctors, the red mass for lawyers, the blue mass for civil servants. Well, we have nothing for the hospitality industry, and they're the people who are suffering the most, especially in the midst of this pandemic. And they're the people who actually make life worth celebrating. While we're feasting, they're slaving in the back. Not everyone is a celebrity chef. You know, so they are very unknown heroes. I wanted to recognize them. That's what we do in supporting and encouraging and just praying and thanking them, praying for and thanking them. I mean, it takes like it takes a suicide of may he rest in peace and Anthony Bourdain, a Catholic, you know, to just realize that they really struggle back there and we don't know anything about it. And then the ex-cons, the formerly incarcerated persons this year, God willing, we're going to be getting our food truck. We're actually dis- debating and discerning the names of what we're going to call it, and it's going to be a place where we hire ex-cons, give them formation, partner with other other organizations, and hopefully foster them into a life of a career and a job so that they can be the man and women they're called to be. And that's so amazing. That's what we do. It's fun stuff. That's beautiful. So the plating grace particularly um, – 
That's a great name, isn't it? It really, I love the way that you use words on your branding and um, the titles of your stuff. It's it's fantastic. Like your show, Savoring Our Faith. Like that's that's a great name too. <laughs> Man, I should just have you do my voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> Savoring Our Faith this summer, December 2nd. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, but t- tell me about Plating Grace specifically. So it's the umbrella, the, the nonprofit is kind of under that. Um, yeah. So t- tell we me what you're doing with that. Called, we were at one point called Grace Before Meals. The problem was that it just became kind of kitschy, and it just sounded like all I want you to do is pray before you eat. And it mm. really didn't describe what we do. Plating is chef term for presentation because we do a bad job in the Catholic Church of presenting the faith. We either just give them gummy bears or we give them Brussels sprouts boiled in vinegar and shove it down people's throats and make you say, you enjoy it, eat it. You know, so plating grace is basically Instagrammable faith. Mm. When is our faith beautiful that you just literally want to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram? And I've got to work on it. I've got to work on this technique of plating every day. Mm -hmm. So that really is where most of my energy goes to. And whatever monies I make from that will go to, first of all, support my employees and then go to support the nonprofit. Because my life as a secular institute priest, I don't get paid by a diocese or by my religious order. If I don't work, I don't eat. That's just the Bible. And so my job is to enter into the secular world and work and live like everybody else, but be consecrated. And you know who the first secular institutes were? No. Mary and Joseph. Oh, that is good. They weren't Dominicans or Jesuits or diocesan. They were people who were consecrated to the Lord, having to live like everybody else, but have a purpose and a mission to bring Christ into their lives and therefore present Christ to others. Wow. Yeah. And you see that, you know, he was a carpenter and there's a reason for that. He needed to make money. He needed to survive. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you, uh, as a part of Plating Grace, uh, something that was introduced this year was the Academy. Um, and so you, there's a lot of great content on the website. You know, you can watch Father Leo cook. You can, uh, there's a hub there that has like some of the different stuff, like his television show. Um, I, I, I'm curious. So with the uh, Academy, you're getting like recipes and... You get everything. I mean, okay. you, you enter into my world. You see, unfortunately, with COVID, it really limited all of our abilities as professional Catholic entrepreneurs and content creators to get in front of people and audiences. Mm-hmm. And this was something that we had in the works anyway, but it was fast forwarded. So the Plating Grace Academy just gives you access to not just me, but I want to share other Catholic talent with an audience that just supports our ministry so that we can create content for them. And one of the big things right now is this weekly supper club where they just join in on a Zoom conference and we hit the topics and talk about faith in a formational way. You see, one of the big struggles that I find, and this is no judgment to anyone who is doing Catholic content, they just love providing formation, information, mm. like facts, knowledge, this, that, and the other. But as a person who was in charge of formation for seminarians, I knew that there was a difference between information and being in formation. How do you get molded? How do you allow that 
factual stuff integrate into your life. So one of the things we do in the academy is we take information and we make it applicable wow. to the four pillars of our formation, which is our intellectual academic formation, our spiritual formation, our pastoral formation, and our human formation. So we apply that to the different areas of a person's life, which is very diffi difficult to do. And it's also very different from just simply citing catechesis. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I think that that's profoundly important right now. I mean, I when I left the church uh, after being brought up in it, I left not because I was formed or well-formed. I left because I was well-informed, but not well-formed. Um, and you were getting information that you didn't know how to apply to yourself at your stage of life, mm -hmm. leaving you with a deformed conscience. Yep. Yeah. I but resonate. With a great voice, <laughs> but with an amazing voice. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, no, but I, I'm just, I so admire uh, what you guys are doing with that because that's very much at the heart of our mission here at Awaken as well. So I, I, I feel camaraderie in, in kind of seeing well, those areas of need and, and working hard to attack Well, them. I'm going to embarrass you even more. Oh, gosh. Having learned a little bit about you, I know exactly. Having learned a little bit more about you and about your organization and your talent and potential, I'm just going to say in 2021, which is coming, I, you can watch this anytime, but in the next few weeks, we are going to be in touch and we're going to actually do something together. Because the body of Christ is so fragmented because I'll just say it right now. Catholic speakers are starting to annoy the heaven out of me because they're literally <laughs> competing for views and likes and listens. We need to be working together. And if our brands align, which is let's just be normal and Catholic, which is the first stage of sanctity, then we need to be working together. So wow. guess what? You're not done with me yet. I'm going to be <laughs> annoying you for a very long time. I'm here for that. Uh, I'm super. I feel like this is one of those moments where it's like, what just happened on camera? Like, I don't know where this is That's headed. Exactly but exactly what this happened. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was like, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll connect on that. Uh, Father Leo, you're also the author of three books, not to dodge the topic. but Or... <laughs> Four books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One just came out called Saving the Family. So, and then I've got two more in the shoot. That's awesome. Uh, where I, can people... And I suck at writing. I suck at writing. But they, they can get all of that at platinggrace.com. Plating it's Grace. It's on Amazon. It's just everywhere, you know. And, and, and the books are different because, again, it's not just about, like, let me teach you a recipe. It's like, well, let me tell you about this recipe, where it came from. How do you apply it to your family? And let's see what you think about mm. it. And so all of these books are obviously food-related. Mm -hmm. Some of them are spiritual and theological. Some are more pastoral and just fun. The fifth book that I want to write is called How to Feed Your Flock Without Boring Them. Wow. A tutorial on giving a homily. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord. That's we need the practicals. You know, the the priests need the practicals. Families need the practicals because you see, you know, you might be at church and you might see a family and you might be thinking to yourself, "Wow, I wish we could be as Catholic as that family," but it seems like this daunting and like, 
you know, uh, ambiguous, like, oh, we could never do that, or I don't even know how they pull that off or whatever. And like, you know, first of all, you're probably wrong about what you're perceiving in them. But second of all, there is no one cookie cutter way that a Catholic family is supposed to look. You just, you, you know, some of these practical, like, how do you have conversations at the table? How do you, like, there are just such simple things that if people were just kind of helped with the, the like, I, I think about when I was a youth minister, again, you know, you have these icebreakers, icebreakers. and I just, I needed a prompt and, you, you know, like if I'm given a prompt, the more I prepare for a talk, the worse the talk is. And Correct. so if I get a question, I could give you an hour and a half presentation. You don't want that. But I'm just saying, like, I think the more, like, even just, I, we got these cards the other day from a company called Poddex, and it's literally just little prompts that'll help a, a podcast conversation take off. And it's like that, like if people just had like these initial kind of kickstarting movements, you know, and I feel like the more we can do to to empower people in these very simple but very effective ways, like, man, take the mystery out of being, you know, a good Catholic, whatever that even means. That's right. That's right. And so a lot of I think Pope Benedict was the one who kind of said, I'm kind of sick of programs. Mm -hmm. I really am. I'm kind of sick of it all. Why don't we just give people the freedom to be themselves in Christ and give people also the, the, the graciousness to make mistakes as well? So this is what my whole movement is about. Where do people learn anything? It's called the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And at platinggrace.com, if you literally invite Jesus to the table, he transforms that table into a desk mm. where the greatest lessons in life are learned. And it took a freaking pandemic to make people want to actually cook and eat together. And even then, they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it literally to show off and compete with other families. Be like, oh, look at what my family did. We not only ate, and we did a TikTok dance together. You know, yeah. I hate that. It's just so stupid. Your job <laughs> is to not show it off. Your job is to put on Christ on you and in you. So, yeah. I do food porn on my Instagram like everybody else because I've got to do it because that's my brand. But I also kind of usually have a little message in there mm -hmm. as well. So it's not just about like, oh, look how pretty my picture is in, you know, Seneca in, in the little – those little frame things that people do with their Instagram filters, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, eh, yeah, I'll use a filter on occasion, on occasion, uh -huh. usually – my food just looks good. I mean, I did beat Bobby Flay, but that's not the point. It is to encourage people to try to cook together because their conversions happen. Mm. That's beautiful. This is my final question for you today. Have you played... Do I take medication? Is that what you're... <laughs> no. Have you played uh, the Nintendo Switch game called Overcooked? No, I don't do video games. I'm a bad Asian. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm the president of Awakened Catholic and I'm going to get fired for this show. Um, <laughs> the, no, you're just going to get boosted ratings. That's what you're going to get. I would love that. Um, no, it, this game for you might make the exception. And so, because the, the, the control dynamics are like you have two moves you can make, but you're cooking, you're in a kitchen, and it's a collaborative game. So you play with up to four players, and the chaos of it is incredible. And having to like coordinate, like who's chopping the, the whatever. And it's 
very fun, very chaotic, okay. and it will test so, your relationships. So here's what's going to happen. Eventually, you and I are going to connect. Okay. We are going to literally <laughs> live stream us cooking, competing in this game. That's going to be one of the first things you do. You're going to have to teach me, and I am such a boomer. I'm so bad at like I've got great high end eye hand coordination to like beat people up, but like with the buttons and stuff. So you're gonna have to be patient, and we're gonna live stream something like that, and we're just gonna see how people enjoy it. I'm down. And the commentary alone is gonna be like pay per view worthy. <laughs> yeah. That'll be fun for sure. I'm down, Father Leo. Uh, do you have any far- final parting <laughs> farting? Do you have any final parting words for the the people Freudian of Awakened Catholic? Much? Good lord. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only thing I could say is uh, it was a pleasure to be with you all. Thanks for the invitation to just allow me to kind of be me and for you to be you, because a lot of people like to always get formal when they have a priest on. And then the second thing is, you know, I gave you a sample of the kind of work that we do. I'm kind of like those people at the food court in the malls be like sample you want sample <laughs> you know so uh, i just gave you a sample if you enjoy it please don't think that you've got it all consume mm. more we're a catholic faith we're not a cafeteria we're a smorgasbord dive deeply into all that the different content creators have to offer it will definitely fill your soul and if you want to learn more about what we do just text food to 33777 33 the perfect age of jesus and 777, which is better than 666. Food, 33777. Okay. What what happens when someone texts that? They're going to get a recipe, and then they're going to get an introduction of all that we do. Amazing. I love that. And text that number, uh, 33777. Um, also go to platinggrace.com. It's a great hub of all things Father Leo. Um, and... Additionally, check out the uh, Plating Grace Academy uh, if you want to support the work that Father Leo and his team are doing. It's really special work. I think it's super important in these times. Um, and they have multiple membership plans at, at various levels, starting at $8 a month um, and going up from there. And you get great stuff, really cool incentives to support the ministry and be a part of that community. Um, so please, please check out platinggrace.com. Um, and, uh, finally, father, if you could just give us like a virtual benediction, that would be amazing. Not even virtual. It's actually real. So, (laughs) (laughs) so through the intercession of all the angels and saints, may God bless you with hunger for God, the truth and more faith in your life so that you can be a blessing and food for others in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. Amen. Go forth and proclaim the good news by your lives. Amen. And Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Father Leo, and thank you, viewers and listeners, for sticking with us through this uh, riveting, uh, elevator-filled, food-filled, F-word-filled, karate, food, lots of stuff. Just It was amazing. And thank you for sticking with us. Um, we'll see you next time here on The Awakened Catholic Show. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by The Awakened Nation and The Hollow App. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. 
We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.